0: So I always got the calls, and then I always had to decide how to deal with poop. Hi, I'm Michelle Aronson, and welcome to True
1: Stories at Work, where we discuss the best things about working in human resources, the people, the stories, and the things that happen at work that we don't even know about. I'm a recovering HR executive, certified coach, and business school professor who knows that the best stories happen at work, from heartbreaking to heartwarming, from hilarious to outrageous. Today, you get to meet Kelly, who had an epiphany when she was called to work in human resources.
0: In grad school, I discovered organizational behavior, and it was like the heavens parted and the angels sang. She
1: quickly discovered that HR was the crisis hotline for leaders.
0: And that's when all the managers ran into an office and didn't know what to do. They locked themselves in the office and called me.
1: We discuss the everyday decisions that leaders
0: make that shape culture. Words matter. How somebody leaves feeling matters. Even if you're delivering bad news, there are better and worse ways to do it. So sweat those details.
1: On today's show, you will learn about Kelly's journey into HR. We talk about the magic of culture and how much communication and words matter at work. You'll hear stories of phantom crappers where poop rolls downhill and into
0: HR. I've had three poop incidents, and they have all shown up. When I get the phone call, when somebody discovers poop and decides that the appropriate person to deal with poop is HR.
1: At the end, you'll get to hear a workplace confession, something that happened at work that never made it through the gates of HR. This one offers a compelling reason not to eat candy from your coworker's candy dish. So let's get started. Kelly, I know you very well, but I don't think anybody listening does. So I would love to hear your background. What brought you into
0: HR? Yeah. So HR wasn't anything that I knew about until several years into my career. Coming out of college, I went into marketing and hated it and found myself as I was kind of doing the job and trying to figure out how to be a professional. Found myself really interested in what was happening around me that was making people more or less productive, more or less happy at work. I didn't know what that was, but I typically watched often what leadership was doing or in many cases not doing that was impacting people's job satisfaction and retention. A couple years into the marketing job, I knew that's not what I wanted to do, but I didn't know what to do. So I decided to go to grad school to just buy myself more time to figure it out because I truly didn't know what, what to do next. In grad school, I discovered organizational behavior, and it was like the heavens parted and the angels sang, because all of the sudden, the stuff that I found so fascinating in the first few years out of college actually had, it had an umbrella. It was organizational behavior, it was HR, the organizational dynamic, the people dynamic, I found it fascinating, so... Those were the classes that I excelled in in grad school. I loved it. I geeked out on it. And coming out of grad school, I started looking for HR jobs. And that's how I fell into it.
1: I love that it sparked in you. I think a lot of times the careers that we start in, people can just kind of get stuck and tracked. They don't actually take the time to even consider if they still like that anymore. It's good that you found that early. That's awesome. Let's go way back to when you were a kid. Mm -hmm. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up?
0: I don't really know. I think there was a time that I wanted to be a ballerina, but that was kind of theoretical because I think I took ballet all of like three lessons. Then I decided being a doctor would be good, but I have no idea why. And beyond that, I have no idea. It's probably, people didn't ask me, what do you want to be? and so. I was happy to just be in the moment and be a kid and play outside and ride my bike and play tag and things like that. So I didn't even know what I wanted to be when I grew up, like in college. Like I did not know what job to look for or anything like that. I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I am an HR professional now, but you know, I still don't know.
1: Uh, just a not grown up one. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we're still, we're still growing up. Yes. yes. Why not? <laughs> I just know nobody, nobody grew up wanting to be in HR. Like nobody knew right. that was even a thing. And right. so I guess just getting the awareness of how do yeah. people end up in a job right. like this that, that they didn't even know existed. What was your first job? Where'd you start this whole
0: wonderful world of work? So I was a Kelly girl, um, wherever they assigned me, sometimes a receptionist, sometimes in a call center, Temping was interesting because I went to different organizations. I had different bosses. I got to observe people interacting. I kind of grew up in a hierarchical family, so I have a lot of deference for elders. And so I was very prim and proper in my jobs and just observed how people interacted with each other. One of the most formative early on moments that has made a real impact on me as a person and me as a professional. I was working in an office at the university for the registrar of a particular department, and she had such an amazing way with students. And a lot of the students were from overseas, and you could tell when the school year started, they would walk in and they were petrified. And she had such a welcoming way about her. She put them at ease really quickly. She extended herself so if they were asking something that actually wasn't within her realm, instead of saying, not my job, and like go there and kind of jettisoning jettisoning them off to another department, she facilitated the transition over there. So she said, oh, you know, things like, oh, let me call over there and I'll tell them you're coming. Something that kind of just made them feel more secure. And I will say, to this day as an HR professional, that has shaped me because I realized how it's worth its weight in gold for somebody to feel seen and heard, cared for, and respected. I mean, it was one of my first jobs, and it was the observation of kind of what worked better and what worked less. I saw other people behave gruffly with others, But this woman, I consider her one of my life mentors because of just observing her and deciding, like, I wanted to be able to help people in that way.
1: Well, and you make them feel a certain way. You are doing the tasks of your job, but you're leaving them feeling good. And that is... That's magic. And if you can do it in HR, it's even better because it isn't always feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Not always. Oh, my gosh. I love that story. The characteristic that I observe in you that I admire is your deep empathy and your deep care and regard for people. So I'll bet that was natural. And then you noticed it applied professionally. Thank you. So tell me what your first HR job was and what was it like?
0: So I had the most amazing first HR job. So I decided in grad school, in business school, that I was going to career switch to HR. I got offers from really big established companies. like, And I was like, I don't think so. I mean, I hadn't been in HR to know for sure, but I just had this hunch that that wasn't the type of HR that I wanted to do. And so I remained unemployed for a period of time, which I'm sure my business school was not particularly happy because I pulled down whatever stats they quoted about.
1: And they couldn't get that very generous donation. Yeah, exactly.
0: And I got a job at a startup and I was their first HR person, which was terrifying because I didn't know HR yet. But here I was, I was going to be the head of HR of a 25 person company. And thankfully, I had two people who were amazing leaders and mentors. So the founder and then the COO, they were just true empathic, super smart business people and really practical. And actually, flash forward to a conversation that I had with a COO who remained my very good friend to this day. She said they actually hired me because I didn't have formal HR experience, because they could shape me in the image that they believed. Like they wanted HR to be present and to be real and to solve the business problems. And they didn't want somebody to come in and be all about policy and kind of this typical HR person. And what I learned at that company was how to interface with people, how important culture was, what culture is made up of. It's made up of every single micro experience. It's like integrated marketing. Every touch point either reinforces or detracts or maybe stays neutral. So you have to be mindful of everything. You have to be very careful and you can't can't take your eye off the ball because ultimately it impacts culture. Like culture is like one of those mobiles where you look at it and it seems to be hanging in a particular way, like that, you know, butterfly flaps its wings and, and the whole thing shifts. And does it shift in a way that you find productive? Does it detract from what you're trying to be and the type of place you're going to be? Like it matters, the layout, the words, your job descriptions, your interview process, every single thing is ultimately loops back to culture.
1: And it's so personal, too, because one person can perceive it favorably and one person won't even notice. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a moving target. That mobile thing is a great analogy. Yeah. There's so much to talk about with what you just said. But the way that you spoke about those two leaders is impressive. So what are the one or two things that they taught
0: you that you still carry forward today? What they taught me is that you have to evaluate things in the moment. It's very good to have a framework, but don't get stuck in Rules and the way things have been done always kind of anchor back to is this the right thing to do? Is this consistent? And the punchline is one of the things is to be very thoughtful. It's easy to do things in a knee jerk reaction, it's easy to have done this so many times that you want to go on autopilot. But I think it's important to remain present. Yes, with experience, you have the wisdom like this is typically how this ends up or this is a best practice because I've seen it, I've done it, I've tried it, and I really do believe it's a best practice. But don't ever get lazy. Like they never said it in those words. These are my words, but just like always be thoughtful and always be present in what is actually going on. And don't worry what others are, like what other companies are doing. Again, you can you can seek to get ideas, but what's right for your organization is right for your organization because of the uniqueness of, of what you are. The other is the importance of communication. It's super hard to be transparent. It's super hard to be direct. But if you don't have directness and transparency, I think it can get you into trouble. But underlying it all is be kind because it's kind communication. Be thoughtful of your words and always have empathy for the person or the situation. Words matter. How somebody leaves feeling matters. Even if you're delivering bad news, there are better and worse ways to do it. So sweat those details
1: what has been the greatest challenge that you have had to deal with at work
0: oh my god um that's a hard question because i think they come in so many different shapes and sizes
1: then let's skip that and can we just talk about poop <laughs> That's Can fine. Talk about the I'd poop like, emoji. If you're not going to bring it up, yeah, I'm going to bring it up. So let's just talk about gross stuff. Then I'm dying to hear all these stories because I would not let you share them with me because I wanted them on this podcast so that they would be fresh, fresh, <laughs> literally and figuratively. So I have never had to deal with poop at work. So how does it
0: show up when you're at work? Well, it typically, let me think, I've had three poop incidents, and they have all shown up when I get the phone call when somebody discovers poop and decides that the appropriate person to deal with poop is HR. Which is strange. Yeah. So I always got the calls, and then I always had to decide how to deal with poop.
1: Were these at the same company or are these (laughs) cross-cultural? Three different companies. Okay. All right. So let's go back to the beginning. Like, let's get back to the first call
0: that you got. Like, take me back. I was working at a rather large organization. And I don't remember who called. It might have been from the cleaning service that we used informing me that there was theses smeared on the toilet seats and the walls of the stall of the women's room. And as you might imagine, I didn't have a canned answer to that one. I said, oh, so, you know, when in doubt, when you don't know what to say, ask more questions. (laughs) So who discovered it? When did they discover it? What did they do? Because of course, there's also, has it been dealt with? And, you know, at that point, the cleaning service had cleaned it up. And so I was sitting there just fingers crossed that it wasn't going to happen again and and sat kind of pondering, like, who does this? But I will say I didn't I didn't assume it was going to happen again. So I kind of chalked it up. It's it's been dealt with and and it's done. And it wasn't.
1: Did you have to open a file on this? Where do you log this
0: type of like thing? It was at that point, I wasn't leading all of HR. I was the number two, pun intended. (laughs) What a great number. (laughs) You were not the number one. No, you were the number two. two. That's why they called you. (laughs) You're like, no, you don't call number one. You call (laughs) number Number two. two. (laughs) So I told my boss, I'm like, hey, I got a new one for you. And I will say my boss said, oh, They had somebody in her prior job that they nicknamed the phantom crapper. I thought, oh, this is a thing and it can be repetitive. But I sat there and said, okay, it's 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 done. Let's hope it doesn't happen again. Well, lo and behold, I get another call that it has happened and it's the same and worse. And at that point, I actually called. So we had an EAP. So I called my liaison there. And I explained to the person that this is now multiple times that we've had somebody smearing feces. And much to my surprise, this person at the EAP said, actually, it's a thing. It's typically women. In fact, this was happening in the women's room. And it's typically people you would never, ever imagine. Mild-mannered, kind of meek, just kind of... they would be the last person you would imagine. And it's a passive-aggressive behavior. Obviously. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not sure it's passive. I think it's aggressive. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. That is funny yeah. and scary. Okay, so it goes on. There's So more it poop. goes
0: on. And then, so then we're thinking, what do you do? You can't install cameras. It's in the bathroom. We thought about implementing at least kind of a swipe And again, no pun intended. This is great. I need
1: to make a t-shirt
0: with all these (laughs) quotes on it. You know, do we have people key fob in and out? You know, we know it's clean. And then after a period of hours and we can kind of triangulate who it could be. It was always the same bathroom on the same floor. And then at that point, the cleaning service started talking to us about resigning our account. I mean, it's a biohazard. And then... We did a series of layoffs, and it stopped. Did you lay off anybody meek?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you said this isn't, it happened at more than one company.
0: Was it a similar pattern? The other two were one-time aggressive deposits, if you will. So one was finding a pile in the reception area. On the floor? On the floor, one and done. Like?
1: in the middle of the daytime when you walked in, like how did this in the morning? It was show up. It was, it was,
0: it was there. It was a poop pile. And that felt, I think, you know, now that I think about it, the fact that it wasn't smeared, there was something about it. Like you had a sense that it was just going to happen once. And that was it. And sure enough, it was just in the middle of the, the reception area though, like very public. And it's like, what is this? And then the Last time it's happened to me thus far, we had single occupancy bathrooms and I had a young manager come running into my office, panic stricken, and like, I didn't know what was going to come out of his mouth. And he said, there's a pile of poop in the middle of the bathroom. At least this was confined to the bathroom and it was one pile. And This is not a proud moment on my part because I always, you know, I'm used to people just saying the craziest things and having a very calm demeanor and stoic face and just being very matter of fact about things. And again, this was the third time it happened. I started laughing and I was laughing so hard. I was crying and I couldn't speak. And then his face was so he was shocked. And he he later told me, he said, you know, you always have an answer for everything. You're so Jill. And I think he was more surprised that I was laughing so hard and I could not breathe. I was laughing so hard. I just said, you know what? Shut the door, put a out of order sign and and we'll get it cleaned up. And again, it only happened that one time. So those two times. And again, now that I think about it, there were the, these contained deposits. They felt like they were just like uh, just a moment of Poop and run. Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> nothing Nothing yeah. too personal. What made you laugh? Like, what struck you? Because first of all, I think I would laugh because yeah. I just think it's
0: crazy. I think it was multiple things. One is how panic-stricken he was. I mean, he had the look on his face. I can still picture it. And the other is it was the third time that it happened, and it's such a ridiculous thing for somebody to do. Like, what a way to... Flip the bird to your employer. Like, who thinks of this to poop on the floor? probably on the Internet.
1: That was worth waiting for, Kelly. Any other things that shocked you in the workplace?
0: Probably the only other shocker was the man deciding that it was a good idea to yell vagina at the top of your lungs and his lungs and, and run up and down the halls doing so repeating vagina or just once just no no vagina 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 running up and down the hall just yelling vagina repeatedly so that one was a shocker was there a trigger um apparently there was so this one i was it was lunchtime i was sitting at my desk And I got a panicked call from the head of the department saying we have a hostile work environment situation on floor 15. And their HR business partner was out to lunch and I was her supervisor. So they called me and I said, well, they said, you know, we're all all the managers are huddled in an office. We don't know what to do. So I said, I'll come up. So I come up and these people looked petrified. I said, what's going on? They said this gentleman had resigned, given his two weeks notice. It was probably a week and a half in. So he only had a couple more days left. And they were all on a very intense project. And somebody ticked him off. And just he decided that yelling vagina at the top of his lungs was the thing to do. And that's when all the managers ran into an office and didn't know what to do. They locked themselves in the office and called me. So I said, okay, so today will be his last day. And I'm not big on escorting people out, but this one, you know, he showed poor judgment. So by this point, the HR business partner had come back from lunch and I said, look, we'll ask her to kind of monitor him as he packs up his stuff, make sure that she escorts him out. And so kind of transitioned it, you know, and I was very calm. I'm like, you know, this is unacceptable. I went back to my office. She came back. Probably 20 minutes later, I said, how'd it go? Um, she said, okay, you know, I was there when he packed up his stuff. We were carrying boxes into the elevator. We got in the elevator and he reached into his back pocket and pulled out a harmonica and started playing the blues and singing a song. I just got fired for yelling vagina. HR is escorting me out. And off he went uh, down the elevator and off into the sunset. That, that's so that was, a way to go. Yeah. That, I mean, that was, I have to give him credit. With flair.
1: First of all, he has a harmonica yes. in his, his back, back pocket, which, <laughs> you know, you never have that at yeah. the quite the right moment. <laughs> exactly. When you need that, that is a well-prepared yeah. gentleman. Yeah. And out of all the words in the English language, to yell. Yes. You know, to be yeah. disruptive. That one is just an exceptionally strange choice. hmm That's a winner. Kelly, I have a listener question. What do you think makes a good leader?
0: I think there are all the textbook things where, you know, a leader is someone who can inspire and who can share a vision. I think, you know, being clear, there are certain kind of basics that help people be successful, like Mm -hmm. clarity of responsibilities and feedback being direct, being kind. I think what makes a good leader is really keying in on an individual, their strengths, their weaknesses, their preferred ways of communicating what motivates them. But I think at the end of the day, it's recognizing people as people. And then I I think kind of the one thing if I could wish that people did well is give feedback well, because I think One of the things that humiliates people is finding out that somebody wasn't pleased with their performance for a long time and then finding out like on the cusp of getting fired or whatever. And then it's just flat out embarrassing. Like, why didn't I know this? And I think it's hard to do. So I think a leader is somebody who's not afraid to share the bad news, whether it's from a higher order business perspective or in terms of someone's performance. And I think back to some of these poop stories, you know, all joking aside, these people were showing aggression, and I suspect if they had had a different relationship with their leader or their leader's leader or whomever, there would have been no poop on the floors or the or the walls. Let's be better leaders and keep the workplace clean. Yes. That's a great,
1: that's a we good motto. Put that, we should yes. put that on the back of the bathroom yes. doors. Any, anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to share?
0: what is so wonderful and hard about hr is that every situation even if it seems similar it's still unique because it it involves people and at the end of the day every person is their own unique creature and so just needing to stay nimble and present and authentic is i think the name of the game and i think h r is such an important field and a rewarding and a difficult field, but it can be hard because sometimes the absence of anything actually is an indication that something is going well and so I think often in h r people don't get you know the credit or the overt it's not like landing a sale, a big deal. It's like no. People's lives weren't interrupted when you did open enrollment. It's like it's because of all the meticulous planning that went in, but people don't stop and think. It's important to just recognize that you're doing good things.
1: Any questions for me before we wrap up?
0: I want to turn the tables on you. Oh, I was afraid. I hate
1: asking that, but I feel unfair if I don't.
0: What Hmm. do you think makes the best leader?
1: Hmm. That's such a good question. I think... Um, a blend of self-awareness and empathy. I think understanding your own biases and how you're interpreting the world is really helpful because it helps you to recognize that other people are looking at it totally different. I also personally am like a cheerleader. I try to see the best in people and build on the best in people and build them in ways that are important to them. But I think that goes with the self-awareness and empathy. They're not going to follow my path. They're not going to, you know, they're not even going to follow my job description, which by the way, most of them are not that great. So good. Let's build this job in a way that it accomplishes the organizational objectives and our business needs. But also helps that person to get fulfillment. So yep, here, my, here. That's my that's my answer. Love it. All right. Anything else? I think that's it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast, Kelly. You are a wonderful guest and an even better friend. Thank you. I feel the same about you. Thank Bye. you. Bye. We've all done something bad at work, but here's your chance to confess. From small wrongs like borrowing office supplies to simplify your back-to-school shopping or snacking on a co lunch, to the major workplace sins, the sex, drugs, and rock-and-roll type. Here is today's Conscious Clearing Confession.
2: Workplace Confession number 3 from Zoe. April Fool's Day continued to me, the holiday that just keeps on giving. It's so full of laughter. On this one, I worked in an office where not only did people like to bring in and uh, share food, but many people had candy bowls on their desks and eating was sort of a real social component to this office. So I got a, a bowl and I put right on the open part of my desk where all the visitors would come, a nice big bowl of Jelly Bellies, Birdie Bot's Every Flavor Bean, which if you recall from the Harry Potter stories, the very first one, these were the jelly beans that had the most horrifying flavors, such as something mild from pencil shavings to earwax and vomit. And I filled that bowl and... Everyone I worked with ate the bowl empty. Completely. It was disgusting. (laughs) I don't know how they did it, but they, I mean, the one guy came back about 10 or 15 times.
1: This is a workplace confession I actually support. It's in the spirit of a true April Fool's Day prank. Pretty harmless, FDA-approved food item and gives you a lot of insight about your coworkers and their decision making which is helpful to know about the people on your team so go zo for this well played candy caper
2: now clear your
1: conscience by submitting your workplace confession at physicsatwork.com/podcast That is all for today's episode of True Stories at Work. Thank you to Kelly for joining me today, along with Zoe for sharing her third workplace confession. Kelly reminds us that the micro decisions, the words, the actions, the inactions you take matter in the culture you're constantly creating. Join us again next week to meet Bruce, who's convinced he lost all of his hair at 40 from working in HR. He'll share his stories around the importance of honesty in all areas of work and how essential it is for us to respect that we're all human beings, an obvious and often overlooked fact. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and if you want to be on the show, have a workplace confession or a suggestion for a topic you want to hear discussed on a future show, please visit physicsatwork.com slash podcast and share your details. Stories are what people remember and how we connect, so please share yours with me. Thanks for listening. A haiku for Kelly. Poop at work is an indication that you need leadership training.